everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann. Doc Searles is with me today. And we are going back to our roots today. We're going to talk about uh, privacy a little bit more. Um, you know, our first, our first two episodes were exclusively devoted to the idea of privacy. But that was back in 2018. And while we've, we've touched wow. on a lot of different privacy-related topics since then, uh, you know, a lot has changed. So I thought we might kind of circle back around and just kind of go back to basics. Like what's changed since 2018? Yeah, what's I mean, a lot. I, but then that's... fundamentally, privacy is, I mean, we, we hope it's the same, but some regulations have changed. Some ideas have changed. Some uh, consumer perception has changed. You, you actually shared with me a, an article that I will, or I will link to. Um, is it an article or is it basically just an infographic? But um, about this is the EA, attitudes. EFF thing? Uh, no, this was actually last week. I think you sent this link. Views on current laws and practices to protect personal data according to U.S. likely voters. It's a poll, but it showed that a lot more people care about privacy laws than I would have thought. I don't know if this was surprising to you, but 72% of the people polled, and you know, I don't know exactly what their sampling was, but 72% um, said current laws and practices are out of date and require significant improvement to better protect our data and ensure responsible data collection. I don't think that would have been the case in 2018. I think a lot has come out since then. It, it could be. There, there used to be um, Trustee, a company called Trustee. They actually hired another company and Trustee uh, to, to do the work. But they, like 2016, 17, 18, 19, they're out of the UK, but they'd survey both the US and, and the UK. And in, in almost every year, it was like, only 10% of people didn't care about their privacy one way or another. Everybody did. And I think that's always been the case that there was a, in 2015, Joseph Turo of Annenberg at Penn, I think he was there then, he may still be there. Um, he's a professor, led some work about how we, we all acquiesce. It's not that we are okay with lost privacy. We acquiesce to it. We basically, we are you know, having, having others give us choices on a one-by-one -one basis to opt out of uh, privacy invasions is just makes us all kind of boiled frogs. But the frogs don't really feel boiled. The, the frogs still don't want to be boiled. But the fact that we are, you know, our skin is falling off and we're still in the pot doesn't mean we don't care. Uh, it's, it's a horrible metaphor, but I think that's pretty much where we are. Uh, I think an interesting thing about 2018, it's amazing to me you've been doing this that long. It doesn't seem that long, but uh, it is that in 2018 is when the GDPR came along, uh, specifically the 25th of May, which I remember because it's also our wedding anniversary. And so that, you know, GDPR day is, is the same as our wedding anniversary. And I had high hopes for that. I wrote things in Linux Journal about it. I I thought the GDPR was going to be the, you know, the the nuclear tip missile, you know, into the into the ad tech complex, and it was going to make it all too, you know, the the costs of spying on people would become too hard. It didn't do that at all. And instead, what it did was it just it created an entire industry built around giving companies ways to obey the letter of the GDPR while screwing its spirit. 
that's changed a little bit, I think, in the last year. I think there are more sites that if, if you click on the little, you know, customize your tracking, you know, customize your cookies, uh, often you'll see that targeting cookies or advertising cookies or behavioral cookies are by default turned off, that the company, if you click on that, that's already clicked off for you while performance cookies and necessary cookies, whatever else they're called, those ones and analytic cookies are left on. And I think that I see more and more sites that are like that, that are, that are, that are at least, instead of nudging you into accepting all cookies are at least if you go to the trouble to click one level down, um, uh, <laughs> your dog is barking there. I, I, that's not your cat or, <laughs> or yes, a child. Definitely, definitely right. a dog. That's okay. <laughs> we have a dog two floors up who it's wooden floors and the dog has long nails and he clatters all over the floor like somebody's scattering coins all the time. And uh, which I don't care about, but my wife does. Anyway, I think in some ways we made a little bit of progress, but the basic problem is that we do not have global scale, global controls on our end that just simply turns the stuff off and, and gives a clear signal to the other side where you go from site to site and you let every site know, these are my terms. This is my way that I want you to treat me. You have to request, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not opting out of your stuff. You have to opt out of mine. You have to say, no, I don't want to obey your privacy stuff. And then I won't go there. You know, that's, we need something that's the reverse of that. But my feeling is that we're in the client server world that we built online. We're always going to be uh, by design, the secondary party. We're always going to be the, uh, you know, we're not going to be the first party. In fact, in the, in the business, they talk about, you know, first and second party, first and third party cookies, right? And the first party is assumed to be the site, not you, but we do need to be able to be the first party. And we haven't figured that out yet. I think a lot of us have figured it out. We just haven't ex executed it yet. I think there's a pretty significant decentralization movement that might shake some, some things up. That's but, true. But I don't know, inevitably, we tend to end up in scenarios where there are there is a main uh, beneficiary of whatever activity <laughs> there is, you know, whether yeah. it's a big tech siloed uh, walled garden, what have you, or, or some other thing mm. that we have yet to uh, <laughs> develop. Yeah. Sorry, you have your dog there. And uh, needs attention right now. So, <laughs> for the, for our, our, uh, for our listeners, our listeners uh, that are all visually impaired because bit. We could see each other, but uh, you guys can't yeah. see that. So no Catherine has a very, very cute dog that she got from a home for the cute. I guess that's where that yes. dog came from. It was manufactured in a lab. <laughs> for cuteness. Cuteness lab. I like the ears. I like the I like dogs that have stand up ears because yeah, you can see them aim the ears toward what they want to hear. Yeah. You know, Definitely and often it's behind them or off to the sides. You know, mm -hmm. they're cats could do that too, but cats all have stand up ears. Far as I know, I think most cats do anyway, so they can. There's a little fat <laughs> echolocation going on here. <laughs> yeah, definitely some echolocation. Uh, I wonder if I can make high hissing sounds. <laughs> if you're listening to a speaker. Going... Now it's like getting well, through. Apologies for that. <laughs> I've done. So I can anyway, do that if you. Yeah, well, for if... privacy reasons, no yeah. one gets to see her or know yeah. her name. 
That's right. That, you I just bet know it's that not she's that hard cute. to figure out. But anyway, that is not a challenge. <laughs> that is not a security challenge. Okay. So anyway. And her eyes match her nose. I noticed that too. Same color. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so yeah. So, so aside, you know, so that's actually something that's changed quite a bit since 2018. The uh, movement for toward the decentralized web or web 3.0 or whatever you want to call it at any given time that's a significant difference but i can't say that it's made any impact on on anyone's actual privacy but th there has been also a lot of scholarship that's happened in the last uh, there has. four years you know some really you're you've been a part of some of that yeah i have i i well only because i'm called a scholar not because i produce scholarship but i produced a lot of writing <laughs> whatever that's yes, worth and go. they are on on <laughs> they're housed at at harvard and uh uh, Indiana University and other places like that, that, uh, uh, you know, that, that lended a, uh, an appearance of legitimacy, I suppose. But, uh, but the, uh, we have a long way to go. Oh my God. I mean, part of the, part of the issue I'm looking right now at this, uh, at the, um, a thing that we shared earlier the, of that, uh, in March 21st, what is it now? Oh. It's, uh, it's April. Yeah. This is the EFF. Oh, EFF. Um, yes. Yeah, Bennett Ciphers and Adam. What a great name. Bennett Ciphers, of course. Yeah. And Adam. Ban, ban online Schwarz, behavioral advertising. Black auf Deutsch. This is what little German I learned um, before I gave it back. Uh, um, called they, they want to ban online behavioral advertising. I think it's a fine idea. And um, because nothing else is working right now. And I think that we do need, I think we do need policy. It, it's interesting. I'm going to be interviewing a, a friend in a couple of weeks who is just a really hardcore libertarian, the hardest core I know on it, you know, and doesn't want any laws for anything. And I'm a Silicon Valley guy who's in some sympathy with that because I tend to think most new laws about tech protect yesterday from last Thursday. And, and in the case of the, of the GDPR, it protected 20 you know, 2015 from 2012, and we're living with it in 2022 now, and with lots of unintended consequences. But, but you know, the behavior has been horrible, and I think <laughs> behavioral advertising needs to. <laughs> she sure thinks so. <laughs> Your dog thinks so. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it needs. To... Nothing else is working, and I and I think that. You know, I mean, of course, a lot of people are going to push back and say, well, with the CCPA, you can you can send in all this stuff to all these different companies to request that they not sell your stuff. And and you can acquiesce to living in what Don Marty has been here before and is an old colleague of ours uh, calls the opt out world, you know, that we lived in this opt out world online. That's that's the problem with the client server model. We're always opting out of what other people present to us. So maybe just banning this stuff outright and letting the chips fall where they may is fine. It's, it's, it's a, to me, it's a little bit like, like banning tobacco smoking indoors and banning, you know, and, and scaling back on fossil fuels and other stuff that's harming the environment uh, is, is a good thing. And we need laws about this stuff. And so I'm in favor of that. But I, I also think still that we need tools on our side. And those tools are not just prophylactic in the sense that they prevent tracking and prevent profiling and prevent other stuff like that. 
but rather express our clear intentions in ways that others can agree with and say, yeah, I'm not going to track you. Got it right here. We both agree. We recorded it. There it is. Doesn't have to be in an immutable blockchain, um, but it can be in a in a data in a in a data form that we that's unique to us and we both have and we can audit later. Um, we don't have to do that with everybody we meet, but certainly with all the companies that might want to track us for sure. You know, and so, not do it inside Apple's silo and Microsoft silo uh, and Google's yeah. silo. So and then, so another thing that you know I'm thinking about that's happened in the last few years, a lot of a lot of really good books have been written about privacy. Was Shoshana Zuboff's book out but in 2018? I'm not in sure. 2018, I think it in was, 20 in 20 early the first month of 2019. And in fact, okay. I am I want if this goes up before Monday, which I probably will. It um, will. Um, I I want our listeners to come to this thing we're going to put on this site. But if you go just look me up or look up Project VRM, projectvrm.org, look up Doc Searles. Um, you'll find a number of places where I'm, gonna, I'm promoting this, which is Shoshana who wrote um, In the Age of Surveillance Capitalism, which is a not only a bestseller, it's now in 23 languages. Um, uh, it's a, I mean, it's, it's this massive magisterial book about how we got to where we are. She focuses largely on Google in that, and she's moved a long way since that. Uh, uh, Joyce and I spoke to her for an hour and 37 minutes. My phone told me later the other night, and um, and she's very energized, and she's very uh, optimistic about what we could do. Now, her, she's looking toward two things. One is policy, uh, which is let's come up with laws here, and, and she's had her fingers on the scales of some of the European lawmaking or regulatory moves, but, um, but also activism and where we make stuff happen on our side of things. So she's going to be in a salon two o'clock at uh, uh, 2, 2 p.m. Eastern time on Monday at uh, the Ostrom Workshop, which is where I hang out at Indiana University. And uh, which is here in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where I am right now. We'll put it in the show notes as well. I just stuck it in our little Slack there. Yeah. Um, I'll think of some other but place she's to great. put it on our, our site also. Yeah, and she's um, an awesome speaker and it's a salon, meaning it's going to be, she's going to present what her case or her cases as the case may be. And, and then we'll talk about it. Something that's important about that, she wrote a book in the 1980s, and I have a copy of it, and it's in New York. I meant to bring it with me this time, but I couldn't, it weighed too much in the plane with all the, everything else I was bringing. But um, it's called In the Age of the Smart Machine. And in it, she formed the beginning of what's known as uh, Zuboff's Three Laws, uh, which are everything that could be digitized will be digitized. Um, everything that could be informated, which is like turn into useful information will be done with everything being digitized. And that this inevitably, and this is the important part, will lead to surveillance and control, not just surveillance, but control of us. And we are being controlled right now to a large degree. We're, you know, the pickled frogs or the boiled frogs that we are, are to some degree, not just being pitched advertising, um, we are being algorithmically herded into, into tribes um, for the purposes of engagement. Um, and we have very little 
to say about that. And, and it's a problem and it's hurting, it's hurting democracy itself. She sees democracy itself is under, under threat because I mean, literally there are people in the country right now that are trying to put their fingers on the scales of democracy. There always, there always have been that, but the weapons are different now. The weapons are different now. And, and I, and I, I want to say this, um, on the other podcast that we do, we're in, we don't touch on politics. I will touch on it here. I'm going to qualify it by saying I am a registered independent. I was raised in a Republican household until the Vietnam War came along. That's how old I am. I was a, a Republican and, uh, and I had a lot of great deal of respect for the Republican Party and what it stood for in the first place, going back to Lincoln and and what's going on now with with um, uh, Fox News, with with you know what happened with Trump? Who I don't want to go into Trump, but there's a it's it's likely it's probably true that the majority of people in the country are either Democrats or lean in that direction. And right now, the Democrats have given up. They're going to lose in the fall, and we're going to have a Republican Congress, and that Republican Congress is not going to pursue any is is per- perfectly cool with the states all kind of going back to what amount to Jim Crow laws and that's the idea you want to restrict voting so the wrong people that are likely Democrats who are going to be people of color trans people others like that are not going to vote are going to be less able to vote and I can already hear some of the Republicans pushing back but guys and girls you've got to you've got to look at what your people are doing here it's you know what the the libertarian and liberty oriented origins of the republican party are good and even holy things that the need for us to be independent and have agency as individuals and and act responsibly in the world and all of that um uh is incredibly important. And for the, to a large degree, the Democrats don't get that. The Democrats don't get, <laughs> they don't get business for to a large degree. They don't see how wealth is made by the original work that individuals can do. Um, anyway, I don't wanna to get too far into that, but yeah. well, so, we're, d- well, d- democracy's in trouble right now. And- Yes, it is. Yeah. Reg- and you know, honestly, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on or where, you know, which spot along it, it's bad for everybody. I mean, if you're, if you're a hardcore far right person, it's just as, da- it's just as harmful to use it as to somebody on the left. I mean, that, and that's the thing that I hope people will start to realize, you know, is that data privacy is essential. Data privacy and individual rights to information and the flow of information and the in the absence of any hindrance you know to democracy is in everybody's best interests and well i, I think anyway, i wish that they would understand that but maybe they don't well um, i think there were two topics here one is shoshana's topic which is um we'd either have surveillance capitalism or we can have or we can have democracy we, we can't have both that's her point that um and she wrote a new york times piece about that uh that they called the coup we are nobody's talking about she wrote it about a year ago and that coup is is she calls it an epistemic one um i won't go into what that means but it's it's a it's you know we 
we have, we live, I mean, so look at the news for a second. This is a way of looking at it. Actually, a, a really great Republican friend I have put it this way. It was really important that when we only had a few media, the, you know, like we watched one, two or three TV stations for news every night. We had one local paper, maybe two, maybe three in the bigger markets. But whatever their politics were, it was really secondary to reporting the news. And the news was stuff of interest to everybody about which one could have opinions. But the media themselves spoke to a giant center and the center had edges on one end and the other. But what's happened when those have gone out of business and now there's a zillion media for every single little shard of, of the political, uh, maybe not shard, every slice of the political pie, because it's not just two, it's not a spectrum as much as it is a, an assortment, but everybody's in their own little bubble. And, that's, and those bubbles are algorithmically maintained. And Shoshana's case is that we can, you know, we can have pluralities and, and differences of opinion without hating each other and and dismissing each other with ad hominem arguments. Um, right. You know, disliking people or disliking their opinions because because they're Democrats or they're Republicans or one's for Biden and the other's for Trump. The world is much more complicated than that. And Anyway, so that's that's one topic, and but a different one is privacy. And I think an interesting thing about privacy politically is that this is something about which we don't we don't have any disagreement. I think I think there's a great deal of agreement on both sides of the political spectrum about what. Uh, I just contradicted myself calling it a spectrum, but what the hell, it's a metaphor. But that at both ends of that can agree, can agree that you know big tech is bad. They think they're bad for slightly different reasons, but it's a, this is something that's come to a large degree out of big tech. Um, it's maintained by that. Uh, but there are lots of small parties involved in it too. Anyway, I'm blathering. Yeah, I, I don't see them as that, that distinct. I see, I see surveillance capitalism as just one of many factors that is eroding data privacy and person, personal autonomy. All of those things, which then inevitably lead to the, the ideas that you started off with, which are being a threat to democracy. But so what is something that I was thinking is, that this is kind of a segue into is a theme that I see written about more and more. And that is um, the idea that it's kind of like there's there are two tracks to privacy, right? There's a there's a, you know, protecting yourself as an individual and the things that you can do to protect your own data and to protect your information. But then there's also this sort of sort of macro level privacy protection and that is a collective effort and it's sort of not yeah. to go back to diving down into the political hole but it, it kind of parallels with COVID response I think you know so there is this um sense that unless we all get together and have let's say a herd immunity level of privacy we're all potentially harmed for example um Cambridge Analytica, a really, you know, a big news, noteworthy example of a massive, massive uh, violation of people's privacy and data. It started with, I, I read this recently and I hope I'm getting these numbers right. It started with a, something like 250,000 people on Facebook using a, an app. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was like a, it looked like a survey app that. Yes, yeah, one of those many yeah. things that you used to that used to circulate 
you know, it was a quiz or, you know, whatever it was, personality test, who knows? I can't remember the details, but the number was in the hundreds of thousands of people. Right. And those hundreds of thousands led to the, to 80 something million people's data being compromised. And, the, and I, I see like a COVID parallel there, you know, it's, you, the, we have, there is a collective, well, I would like to think of it as a responsibility, but there's a, co- certainly a, a level of collective buy-in that has to happen in order to protect people as a whole because you know if if enough people in the world you know turn off cookies and and block trackers and then do all of these things and use facebook only within i don't know a container or something um there it would limit the spread of privacy violations i think and 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 that's something that you know i just wonder i wonder if if (laughs) seeing how badly we've handled covid I wonder if we're capable of handling protecting protecting each other's privacy, or if there's enough desire, frankly. But I, I just wonder if we're capable of that, because it seems to me that there would there 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 is a greater good argument for opting out. But I don't know if enough people would participate. I I, I I'm optimistic, actually. I think that I think on the whole, people. I, th- I think if we can not so much replicate, but model what we build online, what we equip ourselves with online on what we have in the physical world, where frankly, you know, privacy is not a giant issue. It's, we've got, we've got it worked out. We worked it out a long time ago. We worked it out with, I said earlier with clothing, shelter and hand and facial signals. We, we, we could gesture, you know, whether or not we're we're exposed that you know our our permissions to other people about what they can do with us, uh, and we, the fact that we don't have it online and that that in many ways the situation looks depressing doesn't mean we can't. I think we can. I just also think we're pretty far from it, and I don't think we'll get there if all we do is continue to equip only the enterprise side of the world with tools for them to use and for them to give choices to us and not us. I think, I think if we, if we have ways ourselves to, to, to express and to gesture and the rest of it, that we can, we can take care of privacy. I really, I I really think it's very early. I think it's, we're going to be digital for hundreds, if not thousands of years. It's a new thing in the human condition. We didn't have it before the last several decades and significantly, I think really only in the last decade when everybody started using mobile phones. I think it's only really in the last 10, maybe 15 years that, that we've been as exposed as we are. And, and I think this model where we are exposed all the time and we're basically leaking data and leaking information about ourselves is, is going to be anomalous and we're going to get over it. But we have to, we can't attack it only from the enterprise side and from the regulatory side. I think we right. have to create tech for ourselves. I'm a broken record. But, but it one. does have to be collective though. I mean, because as much as we can yeah. individually protect ourselves, like, you know, you could never you can turn yeah. off any kind of location tracking. You can do, you can never post a photo of anything you ever do on the internet ever, but yeah. you're going to go to a party and your friends are going to do it. You know and it, I guess my, right. my point is that I was kind of blown away by, I'm sure I had read, read this before, but 
by being recently reminded of the scale, the difference in scale of the Cambridge Analytic numbers. And that's just that so many people who didn't opt into the, you know, <laughs> the silly quiz or whatever it was, were still compromised and, and by no action that they took at all. It was just, you know, because- Yeah, well, fortunately they had kind of got embarrassed out of existence. Um, no, but Chris- the people have just gone on to different things. Right, they have. Well, Christopher Wiley wrote a book about it. I forget the name of it. He was the whistleblower, one of the whistleblowers for Cambridge Analytica. And I remember an interview with him where he talked about how, you know, like Steve Bannon and other people after they, mm-hmm. they got all this information from Cambridge Analytica started calling up people. They they had their phone numbers. They had all this personal information about them and called them up to check and say, is it true you voted for, you know, Bob Dole and that you live at this point and that you, eat, you know, I don't know what, eat at these restaurants that, I mean, just a whole bunch of stuff. And it turned yeah. out to be, remarkably rich and and accurate and they would and they used that in the 2016 maybe 2016 one of the elections and that's uh uh but that's only i mean that's that's that that became you know that kind of faded as an issue right now facial recognition is a big deal and it's a big deal in part because cambridge analytica is now active in not cambridge analytica uh clearview uh oh, the, yeah, yeah. the people at clearview.ai which does have used all of our Flickr photos to train their ai right yeah yeah and i had uh, hundreds of photos uh on Flickr that were that were used to train train that without my knowing it until later um but the um but right now you know war can be a great excuse to do anything i mean we you know we're we have a proxy war going on right now in in uh, Ukraine, and um, and Clearview AI, I, I read, is involved in that, mm-hmm. and uh, and it may be involved on both sides, and helpfully perhaps to identify the dead, and unhelpfully uh, to target people that you know one side wants to be dead. And there's a, a incredibly disturbing seven minute movie made um, in 2017, I think, by some people at Berkeley but is really professionally done called Slaughterbots. That was basically about a, a near future in which you have these tiny little micro drones that could be trained to um, by facial recognition to go out and kill people that, you know, that were identifiable. And this is totally imaginable and possibly doable. I mean, if, if everybody in the Ukrainian army or you know, every male under 50 that could be identified, uh, you know, the Russians could, you know, target them and they could go the other way. The, the Ukrainians could use it to target Russian soldiers when they come into Ukraine or anywhere. I mean, it, it, this is an imaginable thing and doesn't mean anybody's doing it. It's the kind of thing that I think is like, you know, nuclear warheads. There need to be treaties on on this stuff and 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 ways to prevent it from happening. But um, but it's, you know, it's loose in the world now. We have facial recognition. It's remarkably accurate. And uh, and I think is my own position on this. And I wrote about it in a piece called About Face, let's see, back in 19, um, is that the only entities that should know our faces are other people and uh, and dogs. I mean, our pets. Our pets should know our faces. Mm-hmm. And they do. But 
that other people should have. People shouldn't, machines should not. Unless, and I think this one is permissible, you know, and Apple supposedly says, you know, the only your phone knows your face. It's not Apple that knows your face, but isn't, how do we prevent that? How does, you know, I don't know, but that's, you know, a half open door that a lot of, you know, there's a, it's a raised tent that many Kebbles knows are under something like that. Late <laughs> in the day, my metaphors are, are <laughs> failing me. So. Yeah, the fa face, uh, face ID is a whole a topic for a whole other show, I think, possibly with Kyle. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, he'd be good on this. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, but it, it's definitely in the privacy area uh, yeah. because, I mean, I, it's interesting. We, we had, uh, my wife and I wanted to, use clear for a while or some of the other ways to, to get through passport control quickly, you know, with an iris scan, a scan of your eyeballs. And I wouldn't do it now. I, I don't want, yeah, I, I don't want that system to know me. Uh, I'd rather wait in line. I'd rather have some other, some other way of doing it. I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, again, it's like, who do you want to side with the machines that be, you know, that make life more efficient for the organizations of the world um, or, you know, or ourselves. I mean, I, again, I'd at passport control, I'd rather have somebody say, pull your mask down and let me see if I can, if you look like your passport or you look like your driver's license and, and passes through, you know, that, that works for me because it's a human being, you know, <laughs> Yeah, that reminds me of how relieved I was that Google Glass never really took off. I wonder if anything, I wonder if that, that'll be tried again, but I think that was, that was too, too creepy too soon and people were turned off by it and, and you know, it was kind of funny looking and probably expensive too, too much so uh, to really take off at the time and, you know, I suppose ultimately it was an experiment, but, but um but the you know the com combination of of that sort of thing with facial with facial recognition is uh, it's such yeah, an uncomfortable I, reality. And then when you start pulling in, you know, some of the things you just mentioned to the conversation, it just gets it just gets icky. It does <laughs> it's get just icky. So and icky. Way back in 2014, I just put it in our Slack there. Um, I, I when Google Glass was a thing, is that far back eight, eight years ago. I created things called Searle's glasses, you know, my own design for glasses that would be privacy respecting. In other words, it, it doesn't look for your face. It looks for your signal that you, you don't want to be photographed and you don't want to be seen, you know, by, by machines so that, you know, they'd be the kind of the opposite of the privacy signaling that, that Google glasses do, you know, where they're basically advertising that you're being spied on rather than you know to be the opposite of that like i'm wearing glasses but they're busy respecting your privacy i got exactly no results out of that but they're laying out there you know it's probably if you know somebody should look at that and you know patent it or Get something and the next but it's the prior art but actually i don't want it to be patented i just want people to use, you know use the ideas you know we would all wear qr codes for example that say what we you know what we're about with that or some other new way of making that clear you know or we do need to be me. able to signal 
What's that? Well, I'll just or, or just face paint. Well, I'll just you know wear whatever it is to. Yeah, I know. There's that obscure obscure the cameras. <laughs> yeah, the, the visibility cloaks. Yeah. Have you ever been to um to DefCon? No, I have not. That's one of my claims to shame. I've never. I know. Been to yeah. Con. Well, it, it was mine for a while until I finally went. Um, you know, well, back when back when I was still willing to travel to a conference. Hmm. I guess it was. It was 2019. Then, that I yeah, 2019 is the last good year. Yeah, so the last good year, the last <laughs> actual year. Last year it was 2019, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I finally got around to going with you know a group of people we all know, and um, you know there was there were a lot of people there with facial recognition thwarting uh, makeup, makeup, and and other sorts mm-hmm. of. Oh right, things. yeah, I know there are these black yeah. slashes these this yeah like kind of a patterns on your face zebra-ish thing you can put on your face that's not quite that and, uh, yeah i remember thinking you know that that it was interesting i mean it, it was sort it doubled this sort of performance art and and activism and mm-hmm. and also you know actual practicality but it's, it's I, I don't know it's just kind of interesting to think in terms of what's normalized now with mask wearing and you know, a, a mask and a and a nifty pair of sunglasses with some sort of reflection. Hey, you are unrecognizable. To, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, in, in the old westerns, and people robbed a bank, they'd put a bandana over their face, right, half the lower half of their face, and that presumably made them invisible, right? That was sort of the assumption yes. that that uh, I don't know if any bandits actually ever did that robbing a bank. They'd put, you know, a bandana right over their, you know, so all you saw with their with their eyes, you know, and. Of course, the the Lone Ranger. This also goes back to the fifties. Wore this mask just o- around his eyes, and uh, the and, and, and you know that's supposedly camouflaged who he was. I mean, if you think about facial recognition today, it would definitely expose Clark Kent as Superman, right? I mean, just look right through his glasses and say, "That mm-hmm. same guy, same guy." Sorry, yeah, sorry, soup. You can't pull this snuff. one off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I mean. It, the idea that you could hide who you are with glasses is ridiculous, but you know, Superman mm-hmm. got away with that forever. Maybe uh, the right, maybe with the right glasses. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So I, I w- before you know we we you know wind down, which I gosh we've been talking for a while. I didn't yeah. realize, but um, there were a couple of things I wanted to recommend. A couple of books that I because I know we talked mm-hmm. about this before we started recording, but. Um, there were some things I wanted to make sure to mention and I will of course link them, but there are a couple of books that I've read recently that I think in addition to Shoshana Zuboff's book that I you know, would hope everybody's read right now, but some more recent ones or one that's more recent and that is the one that I mentioned to you by Carissa Belize and that yeah. is called Privacy is Power that I thought was actually quite good. Very well researched and very, it's not very long, but um, the notes are so great. I mean, it's, it's so well documented um and researched and it's you know it's some eye-opening stuff a lot of stuff that a lot of us probably already know but a lot of stuff that we don't and I think it's organized in a very thoughtful way and I just really enjoyed it and the other one that I'm reading now and I haven't gotten that far but so far is interesting is uh it's called the privacy engineers manifesto so recommend it also before we get off I, I decided I would quick I would create a short link for um the salon on monday ah, which okay. is a it's a bitly short link so it's bitly slash 
Zuboff Salon. So oh, Z, nice. like it sounds like it sounds Z-U-B-O-F-F Salon. Oh, so that will, one. that will get you there. And, uh, and also the Zoom is on that page. So it becomes live at two o'clock, but we'll be on it. Two Eastern, that. one Central. Yeah, two, you're, you're Central and uh, I am well, Eastern at the I'm moment. Gonna, I think I'll try to go to that too. Oh, please do. my calendar. Please that sounds good. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I think that, I don't know, maybe we've begun, we've begun to revisit our original topic. Um, <laughs> I think we'll never I, get away from it, actually. Yeah, I, I think know. It's, we have, it's we have a, further I, I don't to want it there. to be a perma topic. I want it to be, you know, to go away. I want it to be like, yeah, we have HDTV now. You know, it's done. We got that. You know. Yeah, it would be nice to not have to talk about it all the time or to not be there were there was a time, you know, maybe a year ago with this podcast where it was literally like the weekly outrage because some big company had done something egregious every week. And you're just like, remember the flying it's, surveillance camera? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, they're all on the run now, which is good. Yeah. Everybody's on the run. Everybody's got it isn't like their eyes are frozen into ice balls yet. I mean, it's more like, oh, yeah, I guess we got to run. We, we got to yeah. be ahead of this thing and have to say and do some of the right things. But um, it, it's, you know, it's a happening topic. Unfortunately, it is one that's fairly nonpartisan, I think. Different I things are blamed by the different sides, but it's... Yeah, everybody Everybody has something. They, they Everybody thinks they have nothing to hide, but everything everyone has something to hide for sure. Yeah. And, uh, being on either side of the political aisle does not absolve you of having something you don't want other people to know. Right, right. Whether it's your medical history or your political opinions or something. So anyway, well, on that note, thank you everyone for indulging us. And uh, yeah. until next time, I think we, we, we're probably going to have some pretty awesome guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. I think so. We're actually lining up next time.